Hey, Jeff. Hello. All right, so today we're going to be talking about, I'm just going to move our screen, um, about anemia in this video, which I'm sure a lot of you will encounter in your interview. So just to kind of give an overview about it. Um, so the definition of anemia is based on the WHO criteria. Um, so in men, um, it's normally defined as a hemoglobin less than 130, whilst women it's less than 120. In pregnant women and children under the age of five, a hemoglobin of less than 110 is consistent with anemia. It, essentially, the pathophysiology of this is that um, obviously the hemoglobin is reduced, so there's a reduced um, oxygen carrying um, ability, and therefore this can impair organ perfusion, um, which can result in a multitude of symptoms, um, which we'll come to shortly. It is one of the most common hematological disorders that we deal with in our clinics um, and in the wards. Um, and the causes for this can be best divided into either reduced production, increased destruction or significant loss. So what you would see in a major hemorrhage. In terms of the symptoms, as I mentioned, um, because organ perfusion is affected, um, the patients can have multiple symptoms. So they can be significantly fatigued with malaise. They may have neurological impairment, although beware of those patients with B12 deficiency as they may have um, spinal cord involvement. Um, Patients presenting with iron deficiency may have associated GI symptoms. Um, so you should look for red flag symptoms such as weight loss, um, hematemesis, melina, PR bleeding, all of those. You should include that as part of your workup. In young women, um, you should ask about their menstrual periods. Um, menorrhagia is a common cause for anemia um, in these patients. Um, from a hematology perspective, you should look for B symptoms, so in particular fevers, night sweats, weight loss, um, just because a lot of underlying hematological malignancies can present with anemia. And then finally, um, you should ask for signs of hemolysis, so in particular those patients who are passing darker urine, which is a Coca-Cola flavour, um, or um, paler uh, stools as well. Um, in Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. <laughs> Not flavour. <laughs> Not flavour, sorry. <laughs> Colour. <laughs> so darker urine, basically. <laughs> and in terms of their medical history, um, you should ask about um, other associated autoimmune conditions, um, such as uh, SLE, for example, um, you should also look at um, whether they've had any surgical interventions or gastric surgery in particular, because this can affect B12 and folate. Um, inflammatory disorders, so rheumatoid arthritis is a common one that we see, um, and these patients can present with sort of anemia of chronic disease, so very important to ask about these conditions. And finally, renal disease. In terms of their medication, you should ask if there's been any recent changes to their medication, as this can influence them. Um, particularly if there's any recent antibiotics, for example, because this could trigger hemolysis in these patients. And in terms of family history, um, again, pernicious anemia, um, as well as any other autoimmune conditions as well. From a social history perspective, you should look for uh, dietary restrictions, um, because again, this can affect them. So those patients who are on a vegan or vegetarian diet, and also those who have alcohol excess. 
So looking at the initial workup, um, you should obviously ask for a full blood count um, to look at their hemoglobin. And in particular, we do focus on the MCV. So this is the mean cell volume, which reflects the size of the red cells that we look at when we examine our blood film, which is also part of our workup. Um, Essentially, if you have a low MCV, um, these cells are small, and this is very typically seen in patients with iron deficiency. Whereas if the MCV is high, it means it's a, what we call a megaloblastic. So essentially, a, another way of saying very big red cells. And this is commonly seen in patients who've got B12 or folate deficiency. If the MCV is normal, then either it's going to be that they've got combined hematinic deficiency, um, such as iron with B12 and folate, or it's because they've got anemia of chronic disease, which is what I mentioned before, is typically seen in inflammatory disorders. Um, as well as the film, you should also ask for the reticulocyte count. So essentially the reticulocytes are our baby red cells. Um, so they are the ones that are the early stages of the red cell development. Um, and in anemia, you would expect the reticular sites to be slightly higher because the bone marrow is churning them out more to compensate for the he low hemoglobin. If the reticular site count is very low uh, or inappropriately very low, then that can be suspicious for bone marrow failure or bone marrow disorder. So we would need to intervene a lot quicker and do more invasive investigations. If the reticular site count is very high, then the next thing you'll be looking for is hemolysis, which we come to next here with the markers as listed. So this includes our LDH, um, which is reflecting the turnover of the cells, the haptoglobin, which is typically low, um, the bilirubin, which is elevated, and the DAT or direct Coombs test, which in autoimmune causes of hemolysis is positive. And finally, in our initial bloods, we would ask that um, hematinics are checked, ideally before you transfuse these patients, and also to check erythropoietin levels, just because those with renal disease often have low EPO because this is typically produced by the kidneys. If you do more additional investigations, then these can include viral serology, so as well as HIV, hepatitis B and C, um, you should also check parvovirus. Um, this is very common in young children and can cause a new onset anemia. Um, you should also check for serum protein electrophoresis. Um, if you've watched our myeloma video, you'll know that this anemia is a common presentation in these um, patients. Thyroid profile, because um, as I mentioned, autoimmune conditions can be associated together. And as well as this, an autoimmune screen should be done. Um, if you're worried about possible GI malignancy, then you should consider a whole body CT scan. Another reason to consider this is for someone who's got B symptoms and you're worried there may be some underlying hematological malignancy. So again, perform the scan for this. And then finally, we would consider bone marrow biopsy if nothing else has been um, found. Um, so now I am going to hand over to Jeff who will talk about the management. Yes. So um, as stated on the slide, transfusion um, is not always the answer. It is a quick fix um, for the anemia, but always think about the underlying cause and try to correct the underlying cause. Um, just to touch on transfusion thresholds, we normally aim at a hemoglobin level of 70. Uh, even in GI bleed as well, we practice restrictive transfusion. Obviously, if the patient is still very symptomatic, there's hemodynamically um, unstable or compromised, then 
uh, or the patient has got a background history of cardiac uh, disease, then you may want to aim a little bit higher uh, to transfuse and aim to uh, get the HB up to 80. Um, now, correct the underlying cause. If there is hematinic deficiency, um, do replace them. Um, you normally would replace B12 before folate in order to avoid subacute combined degeneration of the cord. Um, reduce blood loss. If, the, if, if you found a patient's bleeding, you want to achieve some sort of hemostatic support, stop the bleeding uh, via endoscopy or surgery or cauterization, um, artery embolization, anything to try and stop the bleeding, okay? Um, if the cause is a hemolytic anemia, autoimmune hemolytic anemia, in a warm hemolytic anemia, we may use steroid plus or minus IBIG. Um, uh, it is um, quite um, urgent to start these medications. In cold hemolysis cases, they may not be uh, responsive to steroid and IBIG and the main um, uh, management is supportive uh, with transfusion and keeping warm. Um, so the take-home message is um, treat the underly underlying cause, um, only um, transfuse if necessary. You may want to mention the term uh, patient blood management um, to give you extra points uh, in the interview. Now, um, there may be um, an emergency complication or cause um, that come up in the interview. You, uh, they may ask you to manage a major hemorrhage. Make sure you're familiar uh, with the uh, major hemorrhage protocol. Um, do dig out from the hospital intranet to have a look. Um, uh, depending on your hospital and where you work, you may want to dial 2222 or just say code red in order to trigger this um, major hemorrhage um, with the blood bank. Um, now, red blood cell only is not the answer. You also need to think about replacing platelets uh, uh, or FFP. Um, and depending on the clotting screen, you may need to add in other factors as well. Um, autoimmune hemolysis we touched on in the previous slide. Uh, it is quite. It is an emergency as well. You cannot wait until the next day to start treating the patient. Uh, you, if it is a warm case, you need to start steroid as early as possible. Last but not least, um, if you encounter someone with hematinix deficiency, whether it is B12, folate, or iron, always think about is there a malabsorption problem and what is the reason underlying that? Is it a cancer that is sitting in the GI tract that you may need to refer as a two-week wait to the gastro team or the surgical team to do endoscopy. Um, remember, anemia is a manifestation of a lot of diseases. Uh, it's um, always uh, keeping your mind to find out a bit more um, in terms of what's driving anemia and treat the underlying cause. Uh, Priya, is there anything you would like to add? Um, no, no, I think we've covered everything. Thank you, Jeff. And, thank you. Um, all right. I hope you guys find this useful. So thank you very much.